players and all the coaches. Wide receivers cutting their routes and getting open. Feels like Panther Nation is getting hopeless. Fighting back and forth with each other with mixed emotion. Right now isn't the time we should be broken. Cheering our Panthers on, keeping them focused. Coming out the gate, we ready, we hot smoking. Executing play after play, you know the motive, yeah. It's a wrap when the line get the sack. Or a pick from them thieves that stay creeping in the back. Linebacker with the blitz, he ain't see him, he was quick. Panther Nation going wild, this is how we represent. Man, it's 53 grown men, acting their age. Not missing assignments and making spectacular plays. It's exciting when we roar like the run. And hopefully from this, the Panther Nation, the fire has been ignited. The nation, Panther pride, until the end, we will fight. Now let's go. Welcome to the On the Proud Podcast. I'm your host, Delmar Miner, and I also have with me, Joel. What's up, Joel? Oh, not a whole lot. Just hanging out. Want to talk some Panthers. There we go. There we go. Well, hey, it's week two. Uh, Panthers just played the Bucks. Unfortunately, they fell 31-17, to and we're going to break down the game. So, Joel, what's your overall thoughts on this game, man? Well, I don't think the score did the game justice. I mean, it kind of got out of hand there at the end, but it, it, the Panthers stayed in close. They played the game well. I think there were some some rookie mistakes um, by the players and the coaches that really kind of hurt the team uh, in the process. Some of the play calling wasn't the greatest, and some of the play design wasn't the greatest. Um, what we're doing on this fake punt is beyond me. Um I love the way they use Jeremy Chen. He's been all over the place. Check out the uh, Facebook page for some of those videos. Um, so anyway, there's the overview. I, I think the game was closer than than the score shows. Well, you know, I, I watched the whole game, and um, I will say this. The Carolina Panthers are not a bad team. The Carolina Panthers have incompetent coaching issues at the moment. The coaches are putting the players in the wrong positions. Therefore, their decisions are costing us games. And, you know, I'll get into that more as we go into the podcast. But right now, I am just not sold on Matt Rule and his crew. Um, I think they are definitely inexperienced and make boneheaded decisions in critical situations. I mean, I'll jump on that. I'll take that bait. Why not? So I was, you know, if you may remember, I wasn't real high on the Matt Rule hire when it first started because I'm just this, this cult of personality thing doesn't, I don't really like it a whole lot. And then he brought in his guys as coaches. And I think we're starting to see that. We have a college defensive coordinator, got a guy straight out of college, uh, offensive coordinator, although he had some assistant experience in the NFL. And I think you're seeing that you're seeing some of the kind of just like week one, you're seeing the fourth and one and the third and one plays, no creativity. You didn't see a whole lot of that happen in week two in terms of getting creativity. So the coaches, let's just stay on the offensive side of the ball because I'm, I'm a big offensive guy. The coaches are clearly thinking about, this is my offense, these are my plays, and I just happen to have some good players out there that you know fit the offense. So 
in my offense, wide receiver one does A, B, and C. And I've got a wide receiver one that can do A, B, and C. So let's put him right into that wide receiver one slot. And then you just run your offense without taking into account that maybe wide receiver one can do C, D, and E at the same time. Or E, F, and G at the same time. And you never think about how do I use those extra skill sets that I may not have accounted for in my offensive playbook. Perfect example of this is Christian McCaffrey. Not using him, I mean, there's no way he's getting a thousand thousand this year. He's he's just not being used that way. I mean, people get a thousand thousand once every twenty years. He did that last year, but he's not going to come close to it this year, especially with him, you know, unfortunately getting hurt. But he's not being used in the same way. Because I think Norv Turner, for as much as I was down on Norv Turner, he at least knew how to use a running back and get the most out of a running back. I don't think he used Cam well or the quarterbacks after Cam well, but he used Christian McCaffrey well. And I just don't see the offensive coordinator right now um, using anybody particularly well at this point. But the play designs are solid. Unfortunately, the, the play designs are very surfacy in terms of like there's not layers on those play designs. And uh, I can show you video clips of you, the team lines up in one form, one formation runs one play. They come back out in that same formation the next time. The defense is already anticipating that one play. And the offensive coordinator at this point hasn't taken that into account, hasn't figured out a way to counter something like that. It's simple, by the way, to do, but it hasn't been done. So I think there's a very on-the-surface situation, and as they start to see NFL defenses, they're going to say, oh, crap, <laughs> this team figured out what we're doing really quick. So that, that tends to be going on. I'll pass it back to you here. Well, also what I'm seeing from the coaching staff is they're not making good adjustments, especially after halftime. You know, I've been very disappointed in the team. Um, it's like we see two different teams first half and second half uh last week it seemed like the panthers were were doing very well the first half of the game had a slow third quarter and eventually kind of turned it on in the fourth quarter Mm -hmm. and then this week it was the complete opposite just completely just outclassed in the first quarter or first half of the game excuse me and then in the second half of the game it seemed like they were able to finally you know pick it up um and, and I keep, to make that sound worse. The Bucks took their foot off the gas, off the the gas. You know, they just kind of like we're going to cruise through the rest of the game. So, just to emphasize your point here, I mean, they came out in the second half, had a good half in a half that the Bucks were just kind of cruising through. Right, and 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 that's what I'm saying. Like, it seems like this team doesn't know how to take advantage of the opportunities that is presented, and I I definitely think that goes back to coaching. Now, I'm not going to say that it's all the coaching staff because the players, especially in the uh, in this game, and we'll talk about a few of those soon, did not execute the way they needed to in order to put us in a position to win. Mm-hmm. I'd agree. But the coaching staff has the job of um, really teaching these guys because Matt Rule, that, that was his biggest thing, right? He's a teacher. He's going to teach them how to be football players. He's going to teach them how to win. Right now, I don't. I don't see that. I don't see him teaching um, anything. And I get it. They're they're young. I understand that. But this team, right now, really should be two and zero. Passing the ball back to you. 
I don't know about two and zero. I think the Tampa Bay Buccaneers get them. I think they've got a lot more talent right now. Uh, Pierre Paul was all over the field on defense. That guy's insane, and and Dominican Sue was just abusing the offensive line. So I'm not sure about two and zero, but I'd give you one on one. Could have easily beaten the the Raiders week one. I I want to agree with you. There's some there's some young players, but there are some veterans at every step of the ball. I mean, you've got let's let's talk about defense for a second. You got some young players on defensive line, but you have some established, well paid veterans. You've got some rookies in the linebacker situation or second year, first, second year players, but you've got some people getting paid at linebacker. You've got some rookies in the secondary, but you also got some people getting paid in the secondary. So some of those veterans need to do a pretty good job of bringing those rookies and first and second year players up. And the fact that they're not is a lack of leadership. That leadership should start with the coaches. The coaches should be right there saying, you veterans need to help these younger guys along. And it's, it doesn't seem like it's happening. Maybe not on the field. Maybe it's happening in a locker room. We're not seeing it, but it's not gotten results after two weeks. So offensive side of the ball, the offensive line, eh, they're okay. They're not like terrible. They're not the greatest thing I've ever seen, but they're okay. You've got an established quarterback. You've got an established running back. You've got some established receivers or close to being established receivers. They should be performing a little bit better. They should know how to take advantage of situations. So I'm going to put this a little bit more on the coaches not knowing how to attack and take advantage of situations. Well, and another thing I guess that frustrates me is that, especially on offense, you know, we've been told all offseason how potent our offense is going to be. And we truly do have the weapons to have a potent offense. But I really just feel like, they're not using the players to their full capabilities. So far, I think, I mean, the the biggest standouts on offense have been Robbie Anderson and Christian McCaffrey. Mm -hmm. Um, Those are the guys you're paying. Correct. so So they should be. Correct. But, you know, I have to say, I've been very disappointed in DJ Moore. He does not look like a number one receiver right now. And you just wonder with all the time in the off season of he and, um, Teddy Bridgewater haven't had a chance to connect and build some chemistry that may come along as the season goes along. Um, but you're also going to have to do something, which, you know, I get frustrated with. You're going to have to call plays for him to scheme him open, to get him involved. And that doesn't seem to be happening either. Like I said, it's, it's, I don't rehash the same point. It's like, we got receiver one, receiver two, receiver three, and receiver one's the guy we're trying to throw to receiver two is your second option. Receiver three is your third option. So if you're only looking to DJ more when he's the second option, how often is Bridgewater getting there? It's a great question. I don't, I don't really know, man, but he's definitely got that chemistry with Robbie. Robbie Anderson has been a pleasant surprise for this team. I, I'm very happy with him. Well, I think what's happening and I want to try to maybe state this a little bit differently. I think the plays are called for wide receiver one to be the first option on every play. Okay. So if you scheme it for wide receiver one to be open, then you're going to have to have the defense take that away, make a purposeful attempt to take that away before you get to wide receiver two, which is what's going to leave DJ Moore out, out in the, out of the situation. And then Bridgewater, you know, he likes to do those check downs or the short little dump offs. So if wide receiver one isn't open, then we're going to hit a dump down or a check off a check down or a dump off. So how, how are the rest of the receivers getting involved? Well, I agree. And you know, to, to piggyback off of that, um, 
Curtis Samuel has been pretty much non-existent in this offense, which I'm upset about because he should be utilized to help stretch the field a little bit more. Now we'll say this, there's going to be a great video coming out on Curtis Samuel in a couple days on the odd podcast on the proud podcast site on Facebook. Good play. Good uh, situation where they do use him in a, in a, an unusual and unexpected way, but you're right. I mean, you have a guy who has a multiple skill set that's, not being used for that. It's like that guy's just disappeared. Like, where'd he go? You know? He, well, he has. And, and honestly, you know, I'm just at the point where just trade him. Just get something for him because obviously I don't think he's going to be resigned. Um, and and, I, that's, and I, that's sad because I, I don't know. I like Curtis Samuel. And he's got, in a lot of ways, the same skill set as Christian McCaffrey. He's not as good as Christian McCaffrey, but they do some of the same things. He was a running back in college. He got converted to wide receiver in college. So he has the running back skills and he has the wide receiver skills. I mean, he just got stuck behind a log jam at Ohio State of running backs. I mean, they've had guys like Ezekiel Elliott, J.K. Dobbins. I mean, you're not getting in front of those guys. So they convert him to wide receiver to use him as a weapon. Use him like Tyreek Hill gets used in Kansas City. Could you imagine Curtis Samuel in a Kansas City offense? And they would know how to use him. I mean, I, I mean, I don't want to imagine it. There are other teams that I'd like to see Curtis Samuel on. I'm just going to leave that one sit there. But he just needs to go somewhere where somebody's going to use him. He's got a skill set that's just not being used. Now, maybe there's something going on in the locker room. Maybe he's a, a jerk. Maybe he – I don't know. But the, from what I saw this guy do at Ohio State – and I can I can see him on plays doing it in, in the NFL. Why not, at least if nothing else, use him in a way like you've used Christian McCaffrey to open up other situations? There's a complete lack, by the way, of Joe Brady using players to get other players open. Complete lack of it. It's like it doesn't exist in the offense. I can show you plays where in Kansas City they're using Tyree Kill to get the running back opener. They're using this receiver to get this receiver open, you know, playing football in such a way that gets one, one person's doing something that affects the other side of the field that makes it happen. That is not going on. It's not. It, it, I just don't understand. Plays don't play off each other. Plays don't set each other up. Is I'm, that mind is blown with this. I, I just don't get it. Is that because of Brady's inexperience, or do you think that's a flaw in the offensive scheme? So it's uh, there's different ways of running offenses and the way you put offenses together. Um, every offense should have a series element to it. Series meaning we do the exact same either motion, backfield, uh, wide receiver routes, and you do a little tweak on it. So play A will be one thing. Play B will be another thing. Play C will be another thing. And it all looks exactly the same, except you're trying to attack the defense at different places with the exact same look. Um, a good example of this is the old wing T, or a zone play would be a good example of this. Each outside zone play looks exactly the same, but can hit at three different places on the line of scrimmage. You can have class plays that are like, let's say, a smash route. It looks exactly the same, except in one section, it's attacking the lower half of the field. In the other part, it's attacking the upper half of the field. It's the same play, 
but it can be used in a multiple different ways to attack different parts of the defense and put pressure on them. It's like these plays are all standalone. Play A, play B, play C, and they're not in any kind of continuity that sets up. I've used A to set up B to set up C that I can think of that constitutes a game plan. As as sad as that sounds, I think it's kind of like, okay, we've got a, a list. We're going to run these plays on first down, these plays on second down, these plays on third down, first and long, first and short, the whole gambit, okay? But you're not running plays on first down to set up play action on second and short. You're not using plays on first down to set up you know, a potential third and short play with the exact same look that you ran it on first down. That continuity of plays mixed and meshed together isn't going on. And without that happening, I want to add this on, without that happening, defenses can look at situations and say, okay, we've got this formation, they've run A, B, and C out of this formation. So most likely, given the down and distance, they're going to run C. And then when the ball is snapped, they're just running to the place to know where the ball's going. So basically, to kind of rehash our Raiders-Panthers game, the fourth and one play... <laughs> They ran that same formation earlier in the game mm-hmm. and decided to run it again, but because they didn't do a good job setting it up, obviously the defense knew where it was going, and that's why they were able to stop it, correct? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I mean, I can kind of put some of these videos out again if you want to see them, but, you know, third and one in the middle of the game, they're running McCaffrey at a shotgun right up the middle. That works. They run it a second time on third and one, and it they they get this again. They run it a third time. They stop it. They go into I formation, run the fullback once, get it. Okay, now we're at fourth and one. Let's run the exact same play that we ran before and try to get it again. And everybody knew where the ball was going. I'm in the stand. I'm not in the stand, but I'm at home knowing where the ball's going. So how, how do people on the field not know where the ball's going? Correct. Correct. Okay. So, well, let me ask this. Do you feel that ha- have you seen any improvement in any areas from game one to two so far? I really didn't look at it in those terms. <clears throat> I would say the offense plays as a unit, so I'll give it that. They they do the best they can to execute those plays, which is a given, but they're pretty successful at it when they're put in a position to be successful in doing it. So in that respect, I'll say yes. I think the defense was much more of a cohesive unit. I think people understood their roles better. Um, poor <laughs> poor uh, Chin who has like 16 roles on defense, and he seems to be doing okay with them. There's a couple of things we might want to take out, but I think he's doing okay with them. But I think they play as a unit, and they work hard. So you got to give that to them. They haven't quit. Well, let me ask this. <laughs> Is that a good way of dodging that question? I mean, no, 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 no. I mean, you, you've done a great job. In fact, maybe you should go for politics, Joe. Uh, not Joel, because, you know, you do a good job of not answering the question, but sort of answering the question. I'll try to be more direct next time. It's okay. No, I'm just kidding with you, man. So, <laughs> so okay. Let, let, me, let me comment on this. So, I'm going to comment on my offensive player of the game, and then I'd like for you to comment on it. So, okay. so far, my offensive player for the Bucks panthers game, um, I'm going to say Robbie Anderson. I think he played exceptionally well. I thought he did a great job of being that go-to safety blanket for Teddy when he needed it. 
Um, I mean, the guy's got hands. I mean, I, I love the way he's he's running his routes. I love the fact that he seems to be, you know, fighting to get open. I mean, he he has just really been a pleasant surprise for this receiver group. And, um, you know, I can definitely say he's the clear number one uh, receiver, you know, on the field. I mean, obviously, especially now that Christian McCaffrey's hurt, unfortunately. But um, I, I would definitely say uh, Robbie. Um, so who do you think was the offensive player of the game? I'm going to give this to the offensive line just as a whole. The offensive line. They uh they held back and Dominican Sue, Jason Pierre Paul, and I don't remember who the third guy was and they were creating havoc, but they had their hands full with that defensive line. And for the most part, you know, their offense still put up twenty one points. So and, and we're in the game. So for the offensive line to come out and do that well is is actually a testament to them. I'm not putting the uh, the um Teddy Bridgewater interception on the screen pass on the offensive line. They did what they were supposed to do in that situation. They tried to keep Sue up on the line of scrimmage. There was enough time for that to move. So I think they did a pretty good job of giving him a chance to to throw, give him a chance to read the defense. Um, and in this game, I mean, with that with that defensive line they've got over there, I think that's that's really a heroic effort. I'm I'm interested to say that you you think the offensive line because they gave up five sacks. I mean, and Teddy Bridgewater looked shook behind that line. Do you really feel like they they did a good job against? I mean, I don't know, man. I, I'm see sacks. Let me get in my little high horse. You ready? I'm yeah, ready. Approach, approach Joel to his high horse. I'm ready. Sacks, in my opinion, should not be an offensive line statistic. It can be, but it, it you can't just say, hey, there's five sacks. That was all on the offensive line because they're not. If your quarterback is sitting out there holding the ball too long, that's not on the offensive line. If your receivers aren't sitting there open, you could only block people for so long. That's not on the offensive line. When you give up a sack in less than two and a half seconds, that's on the offensive line. I'm going to say that right now. But I didn't see a whole lot of that going on. And if it did, do you blame them? You got Indomitian Sue and Jason Pierre-Paul over there. And they're all over the field. When you've got an interior guy and an exterior guy creating havoc or can create havoc, that's a tough thing to handle because you got them moving all over the field. you got to account for them. you got to rearrange your blocking schemes to deal with them. So I think they did a great job holding that situation up. Okay. Well, I guess I see your point. I'm just and and let me add on to this. Oh, this, is, this is this is where I'm now you got to tell me to shut up if you need to, and this is where the play calling comes in. Okay, if you're not helping your offensive line, if if you walk up to that that line and that defense knows you're going to throw the ball, they're coming, they know they're coming, and if your protections aren't real elaborate, which they're not, defenses can stop it. I can't imagine. I've seen how many times they line up on that ball. You got a. a corner sitting out over there doesn't show the blitz comes with the blitz the running back is over there blocking somebody else and he's got a free runner coming at you they i've watched them line up four people to the left of the of the center there was four on two bridgewater doesn't change protection literally four people come after him with two people to block i can't put that on the offensive line i just can't do that what are they supposed to do block two people apiece you know what? Let me let me talk about Bridgewater real quick. Do, I don't think I've seen him really audible much. Have you seen him audible? There are times that I wonder why is he not audible. 
I mean, again, I want to go back to that play I just talked about where there were four people lined up like they were going to blitz. Why didn't you audible out of that and just hand the ball off to the right? I don't, I don't, I didn't see that. So I don't know if the coaches aren't letting him audible, if the offense isn't installed enough for them to audible, but he will come out. You hear a quarterback say, we're good, we're good, or something like, or change to a city name, or that's, that's them audibly. Um, you're right, though. I haven't really heard a lot of that. Maybe I should pay attention to that next time I watch a game, see if there is a lot of audibling going on. I just kind of assumed he was because it's Teddy Bridgewater. He's been in the league like 100 years, you know, had like 200 knee surgeries or whatever, like that he could figure this out. But maybe the coaches aren't letting him. I don't know. That could be part of the problem, too. If you walk up and you've got one play and you're just going to run that one play, <laughs> what are you going to do? Yeah, I just, I just feel like I just feel like while Teddy is running the offense, he doesn't have command of it, if that makes sense. Oh, absolutely. You know, most NFL huddles will have two plays, a run play and a pass play. You go up to the line of scrimmage, you evaluate what it looks like, decide if you're going to run the pass or the run play. Okay. If he's not given that, if he's just given here's the run play, then you got to go up there and go through the motions, call the mic, all this stuff to make it look like it's the same thing. But if all he's got is one play, then yeah, I get it. That would make a, that would make a lot of sense, to be honest. If you walk up the line of scrimmage, you're on fourth and one, and you're running a play that you already ran before, and you see that like you don't have the numbers on that line, that side of the line of scrimmage, or that side of the center, and you run the play anyway, handing it off to the fullback. I kind of get it. If he can't audible out of it, then he's just like, oh, I guess we're screwed. Let me hand the ball off and move on. It's something worth watching. It really is worth watching. I just, I just got to pay more attention to it, but because you know, when I've been watching the game, I, I've been more paying attention to you know other things. But now I need to really pay attention to Teddy because, especially his performance in this Bucks game was really horrific. He looked, he looked like he didn't know what he was doing for some reason. I don't know if it was the pressure. I don't know if he was just off. I, I don't know what it was. But you know, while Teddy may not be the the playmaker. Uh, that we, you know, that we would want out of a quarterback, the mistakes that he were making was just very uncharacteristic. I don't know. I don't know why he was doing some of the things that he was doing. I, it's hard to put it my finger weird. on it. It's like if you're going to scramble, you got to cover the ball. Right. Correct. If you're going to escape between the guard and the tackle because the end is is looping around, you, there's a possibility that guy's coming back up behind you. You have to cover that ball. And you would think with him being in the league so long and being a vet, he would right, understand right. that. I agree. Yep. And then when he started to scramble, he had so much traffic around him, there was no way he was going to get a throw off. He was running the throw, which I get it, but come on, you got to understand where you are and who's around you. I, I, you know, with Teddy, I could see him wanting to throw and not get hit. Once, once he grabbed, once he crossed that line of scrimmage, he's open season. I mean, I could see him with, a, with the horrific knee injury he had, which I think was a non-contact injury. But who wants to go out there and get hit? I mean, you know, you got Ndamukong over there, the nastiest player and dirtiest player in the NFL. Who knows what's going to happen if you start running for your life? I mean, correct. I mean, you're right. Uh, you know, so I'm hoping that Teddy can clean some of that stuff up. I'm hoping that our offensive staff can, you know, get with him and. And get with the rest of the offense because we're going to really need them to work on being more cohesive because they're going to probably be the only thing that's going to even give us a semblance of winning any games this year. 
again, let me let me hark back to my my point that I keep harping on over and over and over. If you walk out there with a play and the defense has a pretty good idea what's coming, or if they've got a pretty good idea that it's the the play design is to go to one of two people and they take away the one of two people, you're going to be sitting at that pocket with nothing to go to. And so all you've got is to scramble. Then you're hoping that somebody can break away and figure it out. You're already put everybody in the whole situation in a bad spot. So who was your defensive player of the game? I'm, I'm liking Brian Burns. That guy was everywhere. He covered, he rushed, he played the run. I like what he was doing. Burns appears to be the best defensive lineman that we have right now, uh, especially from a pass rush uh, situation. In fact, we've gone two games with no sacks. I think we've barely even heard the quarterback. Uh, and And that's a problem because some of the offenses that we're going to start going against, they're going to eat us alive if we can't get any pressure. You know, I I wouldn't. I'm going to slightly disagree with you on this. Um, one, for, for a couple of reasons. One, I think sacks are overrated as a stat. Um, I think you can look at defensive pressures. I think you could look at hurries as a really good indicator of if a defensive line is affecting the quarterback. That's one. Two, on those numbers, you've played the Raiders. Their whole entire scheme is about let's get the ball out of the quarterback's hands fast. That's what they do. And then you've played Tom Brady. And Tom Brady is older than dirt, and he's getting rid of the ball because he's not getting touched, or he'll like break in half like a twig. So you've played the two teams that are not conducive to getting sacks. So I'm not real worried about that. To me, it's are you moving Brady off the spot? Are you getting him to hurry? Are you getting him to pressure? Are you getting Derek Carr off his spot? Are you getting him to hurry and get him to pressure? That would be a, a, a good stat to watch. So to kind of loop back around to the offense really quick, because I just looked this up. Um, so I'm looking at PFF fantasy football, and the most air yards this season have gone to Calvin Ridley, A.J. Green, Adam Thielen, and D.J. Moore is number four, which is surprising to me because it seems like the plays that D.J. is making right now, they're not impactful, if that makes sense. What was the stat again? Was it air yards? Yes, the most air yards this season. So is that like a catch for the longer the ball is in the air? Like he's caught deep passes? Doesn't say. Doesn't say. Just says the most air yards this season. But so far, he's number four. There's so many stats out there anymore. He's number four. So, I mean, I mean, he's putting up, he's putting up yardage, but it just feels like he's not making an impact on the offense in any way, shape or form. At least in my opinion. I, I get the sense. Then when the team lines up on offense, the ball is going to McCaffrey or it's going to, uh, I just lost his name, Robbie Anderson. That's where the ball is going. Most of the time, you're right. Uh, I mean, I was like, that's where the design of the play is to one of those two people. So if I'm sitting on defense, I'm going to get, you know, I'm going to cover both those people and then make Curtis Samuel beat me or make uh, DJ Moore beat me. Correct. No, you're right. You're right. Anyway, back to defense. So uh, my defensive player of the game, I'm going to go with Brian Burns. I'm going to go with Brian Burns. I think I think he had an impact on the game. 
I think uh, especially he turned it up in the second half where he really <laughs> started trying to put some pressure on Brady. And you could see that starting to affect Brady. Um, mm-hmm. I almost – I was considering Dante Jackson only because he had a turnover. But that was negated by getting burnt by Mike Evans for most <laughs> of the game. So uh, that's not going to work for me. So I'm going to go with Brian Burns. I don't know. They played a lot of zones. So, you know, some of that may not be his fault. We'll see. But, Joe, I'm sorry. You've played the Bucks multiple times. This is your third year. You know what to expect. Mm-hmm. I would expect him to be able to play this team a little bit better. And when he got beat in the end zone, I mean, he was all turned around. He didn't. He looked confused. Trying he just was out of position. About. It was the the Mike Evans touchdown in the first half. Oh, we had just yeah. turned the ball over, and mm-hmm. he was yeah. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, he was all turned around, and I kept saying to myself, like, man, how? I mean, like, not his yeah. finest hour. No, 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 not at all. Mm-hmm. And, and it, it it just behooves me to think that. You know, I he has regressed so much. Dante has regressed so much. And I can't say that I, he's talented. He could be as, as good as he wants to be, but I just don't think he's coachable. So I think this is his last year. I think he's gone after this season. I really do. Well, somebody will take a chance on him. I never really followed him, so I don't know what his strengths and weaknesses were, but it, it is striking that there's a lot of zone being played. And I never really looked at last year's defense, but um, was there a lot of man being played on last year's defense? Because it looks like all of them are struggling to figure out this zone stuff. It's like they played for years on man coverage, and now all of a sudden they're being asked to do something, and they're like swimming out in the middle of the ocean with no idea what to do. No, zone was a prime staple of our Ron Rivera-led defense. So I don't know why. Hmm. I don't know. You know. I don't know why the veterans look that's lost. Weird. That's weird. Because that's that's what Ron Rivera runs. He runs zone. I mean, we rarely ran man. So I don't know. He just he just looks like he's somebody that got like, hey, we got this man corner. We're gonna have him a lockdown, and now we're throwing him out there at cover three and asking him to cover a third of the field, and he doesn't know what the heck he's doing. <laughs> I don't know. He just looks like he's lost half the time. Well, he is lost, and that's why he's getting burnt so much. And my thing is, you know, especially with him being the quote-unquote number one corner uh, on the team, I mean, I mean, if Mike, if Mike Evans is going to beat you like a drum like that, you know, I can only – I'm having nightmares about some of the other receivers he's going to face this year. Devontae Adams, Michael Thomas. I mean, the list goes on and on. It's, it's, it's going to get ugly. It, it'll be interesting. You get about halfway through the season, and then, then you'll really see what's happening here. I mean, you get halfway through the season, this team should, will do one of two things. It will get markedly better. It will get markedly worse. And I wonder I, I wonder if, if, if some of these players, I mean, you just talk about this situation. Why is he not listening? Why is he not trying to get better? Does he not respect his coaches? Does he think his coaches are a bunch of idiots? I mean, if we if we're sitting around questioning the coaches, are they? I, I'm I don't know. It'll be interesting to see about the halfway point and see what happens. You know, it, it'll get better or it'll just go downhill real quick. 
Well, he wasn't coachable last year, and that was well, the that, issue that, with that's him. Something too. That's just something about him then. He wasn't coachable last year, and, and it just – you would think that he would have matured, especially now that he's got so much more weight put on him. But he just continues to just look bad. And, okay, granted, yeah, you got an interception. But I heard as soon as he got the interception, as soon as the game's over, he's tweeting his interception. Dude, you lost the game. Nobody cares about your highlight. <laughs> you lost the game. You got burned. Why don't you put the highlight of you getting burnt rather than the highlight of you catching an interception? You know, why don't, why don't you put both up? He just really gets on my nerves now. Like, I really, I really want to like the guy, but he has just done enough to just, he is on my crap list. He really is. <laughs> I'll admit, I'm, I'm a more of end of the box kind of guy. You know, I'm I'm more interested in linebackers and linemen. You know, I don't do a lot of secondary kind of stuff. I can tell you what coverage they're in. I can tell you if they screwed up or they didn't screw up. But some of the nuances, I'm not going to give that to you. So I don't I don't know where he's at with all this. I can tell you he doesn't look like he knows what he's doing out there when he's out there in cover three. Ooh, do I guard this guy? Do I not guard this guy? Do I you know do I take the high? Do I take the low option? Seems like he's very indecisive, and I just wonder if he knows what he's doing. Well, the biggest news that came out of this game was the Christian McCaffrey injury. Um, for those of you who've been living under a rock, Christian McCaffrey suffered a high ankle sprain, is going to be out four to six weeks. Um, the little engine that could and did for the Panthers offense is now out. So, Joel, what what happens now? Who What do we do? Who do we turn to? I mean, do you have any any thoughts on that? Okay, so I'm going to go back to my Curtis Samuel rant. Curtis Samuel, Curtis Samuel, Curtis Samuel. I think you just make him running back one and do exactly with him what you were doing with Christian McCaffrey. And you're not doing anything else with him, and he can do it. Not as well as Christian McCaffrey, but he can do it. Well, so to give him a shot. I do think, you know, and you we did see Curtis Samuel take some running back snaps in this game, and surprisingly, mm-hmm. he actually did pretty well. Yep. That's because he's played the position. So I I was actually impressed when he did rush. Um, But I will tell you, um, granted, I understand Christian McCaffrey is a great offensive player. He's the best. He's the best player on the team. No hands down. I mean, hands down, you know, no, no doubts about it. But I will definitely say this. For once, I do feel comfortable with his backup, Mike Davis. I think Mike Davis um, is going to be able to pick up the load. And I don't think we're going to see as much of a drop-off as we we think, even though Christian might be out for a while. If that is truly the case, then that is the coach's issue. If we don't see a drop-off to his backup, that's because you're not using Christian McCaffrey the right way. Which I don't think they're using him the right way, honestly. I, I don't think they're using a lot of players the right way. I really think they are still in let's figure it out mode. Mm-hmm, I agree. They they don't know. They really don't know. And so every week, it's just an experiment. Let's try this. Let's try this. Let's try this. And I guess it's frustrating <laughs> because... I don't think they've gotten there yet. I think where they're at right now is, is hey, we got this plan. It's going to work, and we're going to do this and beat our head against the wall until we're bloody and half dead and figure out, oh, maybe this doesn't work. I think that's where they're at right now. But that's dumb. That's a dumb way to coach. I think that's stupid. We'll see what happens this week. I mean, they may come out doing the same stupid stuff. I mean, you never know. 
And that's a great segue because we play the Los Angeles Chargers. And right now it seems to be that maybe Tyrod Taylor is possibly not going to play. I haven't heard uh, anything about his injury, but um, we may want him to play based on what I saw with Justin Herbert's stats. I mean, he came in and he lit it up and he almost mm-hmm. upset the, the Kansas City Chiefs. So, hey, man, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I really do think the Panthers can win that game. I really think the Panthers can match up well with the Chargers. But once again, I feel like the coaching staff, um, I think they're just going to blow it. I really do. I, th- I think what the, the Panthers need to do is prepare for Herbert and expect Herbert and then celebrate if you get Tyrod Taylor because Tyrod Taylor is going to check it down, throw the middle route. He is not throwing the ball deep. And Ryan Herbert will throw the ball deep. And that's how they caught – who did they play last week? The Chiefs. The Chiefs. That's how they caught the Chiefs off guard because they weren't expecting people to throw those long passes. And then Herbert's out there nailing dimes on these long passes in the long third of the field, or the, the back half of the field. So they're getting torched back there, not expecting that stuff to come around because they've been watching Tyrod Taylor hit the the low, the short, the behind the line of scrimmage, maybe attempt to pass 20 yards down the field if he's feeling dangerous. You know, <laughs> I've seen too much of Tyrod Taylor. I'm sorry. So if I was the Panthers, I'd prepare for Herbert and then throw the party of Tyrod's one plan because Tyrod's like the self-destructive force over there. He'll he'll run that offense into the ground. Let's see. Um, looking up Tyrod Taylor's injury, seems like he experienced a chest injury. I mean, it almost sounded like he had a heart attack, but you know, I don't think they're going to tell you that. They said it was a rib situation. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, there's not a lot of information. To me, to me it sounded like a heart attack. They're like, okay, so he's on the sidelines and he's gotten uh, uh, chest pains and they rush him to the hospital. I mean, that sounds like a heart attack. <laughs> I mean, you know, that, like that's what it sounds like to me. But, you know, they're talking about he has this chest injury and his ribs were hurting and blah, blah, blah. And I don't know. I'd expect to see Herbert because Herbert is a better quarterback. Yeah. Um, I think that's who we're going to be playing against, which, you know, I do feel like this is the coaching staff's opportunity. In fact, the team's opportunity, take advantage of a rookie player. Yep. Take advantage of him. Um, Come out of here with the win. We, I mean, I won't lie as Panther nation right now, Panther nation is just, we are suffering. And I'm going to tell you why, because we're seeing our once, Captain of the team, Mr. Cam Newton up in New England, playing some good football, um, competing. He looks healthy. Ace Boogie is back. And guess what? He's not here. And we're upset about that. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think, unfortunately, a lot of people that felt like it was, you know, smart to get rid of him are kind of eating crow because he looks good. He looks really good. Let me ask you this. I mean, I like him. Okay. And he's in New England. He's a good situation. They're using him really well. I mean, they've got him in a good spot. Do you think you could tell me that Matt Rule would use Cam Newton the way he should be used? Probably not. And so he'd be doing, you know, drop back quarterback stuff, you know, stuff that don't make any sense for Cam. And we'd be in the same spot. 
You know, Joel, you got a good point. I never thought of it like that. I mean, so good for Cam. You know, got a, got himself a good coach that totally changed their entire offense to do what he does best. You know, good for him. And he'll win. I'm happy for him. I mean, I'm sad to see it do it in a different uniform, but I'm happy for him. How long have I, I mean, I've watched two or three seasons of this team, and I'm just wondering, like, what the heck are we doing with, with Cam? What, what do we do? How do we have this colossal talent and, like, use it like this? The Panthers have really, they did a good job of floundering uh, their best players' prime years. I mean, there's no reason that the Panthers should not have been in more contention for Super Bowls and at least possibly won one of them with Cam Newton. But I digress on that. Can't cry over spilt milk. Um, well, and I think cheating. Well, that too. But I also feel like they're going to waste away Christian McCaffrey too. I think they have a great I talent know. in him, and they're going to waste him away. You know, I you're talking. I know we've we've hashed this rebuild, reload discussion. It's almost like Christian McCaffrey is kind of like the bridge star player that keeps people interested while everybody else gets replaced. I think that's what's going on. In fact, mm-hmm. I mean, I almost feel like Matt Rule. And Tepper, yes, they did tell us it's going to take time. You know, Rome wasn't built in a day. But this team can win. And I almost feel like I don't want to say that they're sabotaging the season. I don't want to say that they're tanking. But it sure does feel like it. Well, I mean, the first rule of Fight Club is that you don't talk about Fight Club. <laughs> you know, the, the you got you got the team down in uh, Jacksonville tanking and what's happening quarterback you know he is like rallying the troops we are not tanking we're not tanking we're not tanking so if you're a little bit ahead of the ball game or a little bit ahead of the curve and you want to tank you don't want the players to figure out you're tanking well i mean they you're out there like watching major league right they're out there with the the little cardboard cutouts winning games because they're supposed to be the worst thing on the planet and that's what's rallied them all together that's what's going on in jacksonville they look like a decent football team two weeks in a row. Look like they are a decent football team, which is surprising because if you were to put the Panthers roster versus the Jaguars roster on paper, you would think the Panthers would definitely be the better team. Yeah, but they got something to rally around, right? They got something that's brought that team together. We're supposed to suck. Well, we're not going to. So, okay, let's say you want to tank, but you don't want to get fall into that trap because you've watched – teams you know rally around it like you watched the dolphins last year you're watching the jaguars this year and you want to tank but you don't want to tank quote unquote then get yourself some players yourself a middling quarterback sign yourself a good running back that i mean the running back position is iffy on how much that position affects the game to start with right so get yourself some players to rally around and go out there and, and play football with a bunch of young people and to say, we're going to win. Cause we got these great players. I don't know. I thought just a thought. I'm not saying it's going on. I'm just saying it, it it's a possibility. I don't think if you talk to any of the players to a man, they're talking about tanking cause they're not. If you talk to Matt rule, we're out here to win football games. I think the people who are probably thinking, okay, we need to like lose to get a good draft pick. That's your GM. That's your owner. 
but they don't want to give enough ammunition to like Matt Rule and the gang to to really wrap that team together and win a bunch of games. I don't know. Right now, I mean, <laughs> I'm just gonna say that you know, I can I can almost guarantee we're gonna have a top five pick. So um, that'll be uh, a I'd great rebuilding piece. Too. Yeah, we'll, we'll have a top five pick. Yeah, I mean, the I, I don't agree with you. The question just is, do you have enough ammo to go to number one or number two if that's what you want to do? We may not need the ammo because I think we're gonna at least. I think we'll be in that three or two range right now. The Jets look worse than us, but don't they know, always? I mean, they're always bad. But man, I mean, we we're doing a, we're doing a good job. I will say this: Adam Gase is terrible as a coach. <laughs> so as much as we're griping about Matt Rule, I will take him over Adam Gase any day of the week. I just need to see something from this coaching staff this week. You got a winnable game. You have a decent roster. Let's 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 learn from the past two weeks, mm-hmm. and let's go out here and win a game. You know, let, you got to be a little unpredictable, be a little uh, little different, little out of the box, particularly without Christian McCaffrey. You got to do something less robotic, I guess, if that might be the way to put it. Yeah, yeah. You it's time. All this money that you spent on this offense, it's time to unleash it. You know what it reminds me of. You ever watch that movie, The Water Boy? Yes. Okay, and you know the scene that they're on the sideline and the the coach for the the big bad Louisiana State or whatever it is, he's got that little book out, football coaching for dummies, and mm-hmm. he's like pointing, laughing. I mean, this is what I feel like is going on right now. Somebody's like pointing and laughing at Matt Rule, <laughs> like, "Oh, look at he did this." <laughs> you know, like here's the next predictable thing we're gonna do. I got this playbook right here. He's going fourth and one. He's gonna run this thing. You know. Well, I I want to add one more thing. I want to add, add one more thing. The fake punt. Oh, God. Here okay. we go. Oh, that was horrible. So, so you've seen the video, right? You know, like there's like seven people in the line of scrimmage. You've got seven defenders or excuse me, seven offensive linemen right there to block seven defenders. And, but your center can't be touched, so he can't really block. So what you're looking at is a seven on six. So somebody's going to have a free run at at Jeremy Chin running the ball up the middle. You know that just from counting numbers. How do they not call timeout or call an audible and just kick it anyway? Or do what you should have done in the first place is line up and try to draw somebody off sides or just have your offense out there and just run a freaking play. But you sit there and it's like almost like I'm looking at that like, did they just tell him run the fake punt no matter what you see in front of you? Because if you just count numbers, there's no way that play is working. Well, Joe, that's before they screw up the blocking. That's before they screw up the blocking. Okay, so you just know from numbers somebody's going to be a free runner at at Chit just from counting people. Well, Joe, change the play. That's that's where you know, like earlier in the podcast that we talked about. Uh, the, do they not know the audible? I mean, because clearly. When they lined up in that play, you know, I was like, there's no way they're going to fake punt this because that would be the stupidest thing to do. And guess what they did? They fake punted it. And, Everybody it, was coming. and, and you know, it was, it was one of those things where I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. And not just the fake punt. Let me add on to that. 
that onside kick at the end of the game. Why would you onside kick it and give Brady and the Bucks the ball basically at the 50 yard line? Mm-hmm. Why would you do that? Why why Just would you it make it easier for them to score? Not not to mention the this the the clock mismanagement at that point. I mean, good lord. Call the timeout when you got 210, 215 still left. Then run another play when what you're gonna like kick a field goal, right? So then you're still ahead of the two-minute warning. Kick it deep into the end zone. Make Brady and the Bucks run a play. Then get your two-minute warning to save yourself some timeouts. Then you'd have at least three timeouts. And if the, three timeouts with a two-minute warning. So you've got two timeouts. You make them use the two-minute warning as a timeout. You have three timeouts to make them punt and save time. But no, they just ran the clock down to the two-minute warning. Then kick the, the field goal then kick this idiotic onside kick that, you know, unless you're the Falcons, you know, you're not getting an onside kick. <laughs> so, I mean, uh, why? What are we doing? What, I mean, I don't, I don't understand that at all. I, I just don't. I don't get that whole series. Once again, it just goes back to the coaching staff. Not, I just don't think they know what they're doing. They're still very green behind the ears. You know, to us, it. you know, granted, I, you know, I've never been a football coach, and I know you have. Mm-hmm. But I would think there are just some things about football that are just common sense that I think you would just kind of know just from, you know, watching the sport in some way, shape, or form. But I guess not. I guess I guess maybe these guys are just so caught up in their own hubris and their own schematics that they just don't see common sense sometimes. I, I think it's easy to get lost in the moment. Like, okay, we need a field goal. So let's kick the field goal. And what you need is someone sitting in the in the press box with a headset on just saying, hey, we need to call a timeout here. Hey, we need to do this here. Here's how we manage the clock. Every NFL team, okay, a lot of NFL teams um, have a guy with a headset on in the press box that's their analytics guy. And this is what they tell coaches. We should, we should do a timeout right here. We should, uh, you do this right here. This is a good time to go for it. This is not a good time to go for it. Don't run a fake punt on the 40 yard line of your opponent when it's blatantly obvious this is what you're going to do. Run that on the other 40 yard line when it's still up in the air, whether you're going to punt it or not. You know, these kind of things should be put into the coach's ear through the headset. But you would think that the Panthers would have a person like that since David Tepper hire Matt Rule because of his, you know, analytic nature, you would think, but I, I guess not. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I mean, this goes on. I remember watching the Super Bowl with the um Philadelphia Eagles and they just kept zooming in on the analytics guy up in the up in the press box. You know, there's your analytics guy. You're like, okay. And then they're celebrating they use analytics to win the Super Bowl, blah, blah, blah. Don't everybody have one of these people now? You would think they do, but I guess not. <laughs> I guess not. But, it, but to defend the coaches at this point, it, it's easy to get lost in the moment, particularly when you're fresh at it. Although I think rules should not be fresh at it. I mean, he's been coaching college for a while. It's easy to get lost in the moment thinking, what am I going to do here? What am I going to do here? To forget about the clock management piece of it. But rules shouldn't be doing that. He should understand, I need the ball back. I need that two-minute warning as a timeout. You would think that would be common sense. But once again, I don't know. 
this coaching staff has proved that they they I don't know. I don't know what they're thinking. I don't know how they're going to operate. But hey, it's still early in the season. They can still. You improve. just want progress. You just want progress. I do you want it to get better. You want it to get better. I do. I mean, and the regression from game one to game two was just. It was it was market. I mean, the turnovers were ridiculous. The penalties are ridiculous. The play, the coaching, the 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 play calling is ridiculous. It's just like, guys, you played a pretty clean game week one. You didn't win, even though you should have. Okay, I'm upset about it, but you know what? We're going to improve week two. No, we looked worse, way worse. We looked like the worst team in the league. On Sunday, we look really bad. We look really bad, and it shouldn't have been like that because there should have been some kind of improvement. Yeah, I don't. I don't think they look like the worst team in the league. Okay, I've seen worse teams in the league, and I don't think that was it. Okay, they, second, they look like they were in it. They look like they were in it. They look like they were fighting. They look like they were at least a coherent unit. I just think they were held back schematically, and I think, um, I think you really touched on an interesting point about audibles, like. Are they just locked into these plays and can't get out of them? That would really explain a lot, to be honest with you. So I, I just I don't I think they're a cohesive unit in terms of being an offense, it's a professional offense. I just I don't think it's the worst team in the league. Okay. So last thing. Your prediction. What Can I give your two different predictions? Sure. Sure, sure. Go for it. So I think if Tyrod Taylor starts, I think the Panthers take the game. I think if Justin Herbert starts, it's going to be up in the air, and it'll be a difficult one, but I'll still take the Panthers on that one too because you can confuse the rookie. I am going to predict I think the Panthers do win this game, and I do finally – I will say this. I do think that we will probably see the most creative offense – uh, offensive play calling and scheming that we've seen this year because we're going to have to without Kirsten McCaffrey. Mm-hmm. I think, hope. I think it's going to force the coaching staff to have to finally be creative and not rely on Christian McCaffrey to, to you know, kind of pull everybody else with him. I will say this. Over a two-year period, the Browns went 131, and the only team they beat was the San Diego, then San Diego Chargers. Okay. Well, hey, you know, I, I pray that doesn't happen to us. <laughs> oh, I don't think they're going I don't think the Panthers are going one thirty one. I'm just saying the Chargers are out there to be beat. They've got some whatever reason they just they have fold and that that you know talking about a, a franchise that just has these perpetual issues of of folding in games and everything that can go wrong will go wrong. It's it's the Chargers. So Winnable game. Very winnable. Um, I, You know, once again, I think if they cut the turnovers, turn down the penalties, and be a little creative on play uh, play calling, and, and I go back to what you said earlier, it's time to unleash Curtis Samuel. Mm-hmm. Let this man be the offensive weapon that we know he can be. Scheme him open. Push the ball down the field. That's another thing that they're not doing. They're not pushing the ball down the field. I get it. I know you want it to be a dink and dunk offense, but nobody's going to respect that unless you, you know, you got to be able to hit a few long pass plays every now and again. 
Well, it's interesting you bring up this DJ Moore situation. I'm trying to think about how he would have all those pass yards. He runs a lot of, you know, streaks cut back into those cutbacks. You know, they, where you run in the streak and then you stop and come back. Back shoulder fades, things like that. I can see that. Trying to push the field ball down the field, but doesn't have the arm. So he just kind of cuts the route short. Well, I mean, he runs a lot of slants too. DJ Moore's best route is a slant. So, and, and in fact, unfortunately, that's the, the the route that he was trying. I guess it was a slant that he had the interception with Teddy on anyway. But um, I don't know, man. So do you have anything else for uh, our recap of the Panthers and Bucks or anything to, you know, preview the upcoming game against the Chargers? Uh, no, I think I've got my rants out today. Uh, only thing I will say is just, you know, just give them a chance. Let them adapt. Let them change. It's going to look ugly early. You're hoping by midseason it's looking better and not so ugly. And, hey, you know, Falcons have proven they have find creative ways to lose games. So there's, there's better coming. Uh, that's true. And the Saints got beat by the Raiders. Yep. Make so, uh, uh, make Drew Brees throw the ball further than five yards. Correct, correct. Yeah, he they got exposed real bad, which I am so excited about. <laughs> so excited. The division may be a little bit more wide open than we thought. Maybe, maybe you never know. Weirder things have happened. So, well, guys, thank you for tuning in to our podcast. Uh, and to kind of reiterate what Joel said earlier, check us out on Facebook. Uh, we have some new content that, uh, Joel's doing some film reviews that I think you guys will be interested in. Uh, right now we're on the Jeremy Chin series and, uh, we just started it today, uh, as of, you know, nine 22. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, come check it out. And look us up on it's Instagram as well. Oh yeah, oh yeah, definitely some more videos are definitely coming. We're gonna we're gonna really uh, dive in, and Joel's great with this. So uh, they're not long, uh, so you can watch them while you're at work. It won't take you away from your desk or whatever you're doing. Um, but yeah, check them out. And um, like I said, look us up on Instagram. Look it up on Instagram and email us at ontheprowl1995 at gmail.com if you have any comments, questions, or concerns. And uh, make sure you guys keep pounding. Keep pounding.